welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me as always is my co-host Chuck Bailey. This week I would like to veer onto the side of talking about nothing rather than talking about football. (laughs) Uh, So like me last week? Yeah. And we should uh, relentlessly bombard you with comments and jokes and pokes and prods yeah you could do mate but the difference is that (laughs) i've never had the privilege of supporting a good team so it's not like i'm falling from a great height that's true that's true we'll we'll take it easy on them and by we i mean myself and super producer ian stimson ian how you doing today i'm good thank you oscar i'm i'm a bit upset because i know we're not a fantasy football podcast but my fantasy football performance this week has already been absolutely shocking captain salah he's benched my vice captain zanatovic went off with a hamstring i'm having an absolute shocker an absolute shocker and uh, we are recording on uh, wednesday evening we're about to go into the second half of some of these matches so we don't know how everything's ended but it's not looking good so far for me yeah if i tune out for a while it's just because i started watching the chelsea match behind me um, but just just carry on. I'll, I'll come back in. I'll yeah, pick it's up good. Where it was. good. It's good to have this level of commitment to the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of Chelsea, halftime. Ruben done a goal today. Ruben done a goal on the weekend. Pod favorite Ruben Loftus Cheek in red hot form for the Blues. How exciting is that for you, Chuck? That means less likely to have a move in January, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he played oh, himself. Out, he's played himself out of the move, guys. This is it. The dream move that he was meant to get. It's it's all over now. Yeah. Um, like I said, now we'll just have to spend an inordinately huge amount of money for an obscure player that will get injured three games in. Um, <laughs> never play for us again. Uh, I knew this was going to be the Chuck Hates Football episode. Yeah. <laughs> you mean every I was going to say, week? pick it up where we left off, yeah. Yeah, I don't understand how I'm getting this name for myself that I, I'm a football <laughs> fan that hates all football. <laughs> Oh, that that would be the demeanor and the things you say. That would that would be. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Usually, it's the words coming out of your mouth that give it away. But yeah. I didn't think people were that observant. Damn it. <laughs> people are actually listening, Chuck. Hey, at least you're not a sad stats robot. Beat <laughs> bolt. <laughs> exactly. Uh, not to veer too much into actual football talk, but it is nice to see Ruben on the field. And I, to, there was a lot of rotation today because it's midweek and we have City at the weekend, obviously. But I do wonder if he would have been getting a start anyway after the last few ma- matches he's played. He's been much better than Barkley. I'm like getting closer and closer and closer to allowing myself to buy a Ruben Loftus-Cheek jersey. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love him so much. That should seal the January move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'll be my January uh, yes, do it. shirt purchase. Buy the shirt. Get <laughs> what obscure competition is he being in? Quick. Uh, Europa League Uh, a Chelsea shirt with a Zenith Data Systems Cup badge on it (laughs) that's one for Google for you guys you clicked the wrong place one time like 10 years ago (laughs) and you never live it down well if you are joining us for the first time welcome aboard we're happy to have you if you are still back two episodes after the Marvel special waiting for us to keep talking about Marvel you know just hang out maybe we'll get there it's always good to have some new listeners and if you are a returning listener, thank you. We love you. We appreciate you very much. Gentlemen, are we strapped in and ready to go? Strapped in. Strapped. No, I'm not going to say. Strap no, on. No. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Got someone else to say it. There it is. Tick. All right. Well, we'll kick it off with some rapid, rapid, 
rapid fire news. <laughs> oh, for those listening at home, because you can't see this unless you are a hacker, we we do we do like to simulate the keyboard strokes for that. <laughs> Me and Ian in perfect synchrony there. Played air keyboard. Our top story this evening. Welcome to the Europa League 2. UEFA has just announced the introduction of a third club European competition. Boys, are we excited for the Europa League 2? Europa League 2 with a vengeance. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's something for Jose to aim for. Yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. Palace might be able to play in Europe again after that. <laughs> good one. Maybe uh, not this year. Unless we did a League of, League of Relegations. I mean, if they just keep making more and more divisions in the European competitions, eventually, like, the 16th place English team will definitely be in there. Process of elimination, yeah. But then that'll be the year that FIFA get involved, uh, UEFA get involved in a Brexit as well, and then English teams just won't allow to be involved in that. And that would be the year that Palace did well and got in. Calling it. <laughs> I just started Googling Europa 3, and the first thing that came up was Europa 3-person hot tub. I don't know what that says about my Google habits right. or... Uh... Yeah. It does give you preferential yeah. search results. Know, bit worrying. He's got the pampas grass out the front. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, that is a thing, apparently. Right. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Next story Dublin Soccer Club fake players' death to get match called off. Chuck, have you ever faked a death to get off work for a day? I can't <laughs> say I've ever faked a death. It seems in bad taste. I do know someone. Um, I work for for a company and obviously when people leave, you have to process them on a system and you, you select from a load of options, obviously, whether they've resigned or been fired or failed a probationary period, etc. And there, there is, of course, an option for death. However, if you do click the death one, uh, a letter gets sent to the um, emergency contacts of said person, <laughs> wishing them their condolences for that person passing away. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it happened by accident a few years ago. <laughs> and so these parents are just sat at home with a letter saying, we're sorry to hear about the passing of your son. Needless to say, they weren't too happy. No, that's amazing. <laughs> that's fantastic. What about you, any uh, Ian, any funny stories relating to fake deaths? I mean, there was, yeah, so there was one. I, um, I work in sound and uh, I was working for a, a news outlet and we were rehearsing... Um, one of the obituaries so um we have to regularly rehearse if a major royal dies and um we were rehearsing uh, what would happen when prince philip goes and um i'm on my own in sound mixing this rehearsal and um the cleaner comes in starts changing the bin and then um here's that we're talking about prince philip's died and she just drops the bin and goes oh my god and i was like looking around going no, it's fine. He's still alive. Don't know why he's so bothered, but he's still alive. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, but she was. I had to talk her down. It was ridiculous. Oh, you guys might have to talk me down through this episode. Fucking Alvaro Morata. Ruben Loftus Cheek lays off a perfect pass across the six yard box, and he falls over his own feet and doesn't even make contact on it from about two yards out. Oh my it should god! Should be two zero to Chelsea. God damn, Alvaro Morata. No, anyway, can't, this can't be in a news section because it's not news. <laughs> Alvaro Morata is not good. Why don't they? Maybe I don't know. Maybe Palace will buy Alvaro Morata. That seems like a perfect fit. That seems like the sort of thing you'd do. <laughs> yeah, fifty mil probably. I think that's fair. <laughs> How much did we pay for Torres? If we can sell him for the same we paid for Torres, it all balances out. Fifty mil, I think. I think it was fifty. Yeah, think it was, job yeah. done. 
All right, next story. Tottenham will hold a fan familiarization event for 6,000 supporters at their new stadium on December 16th. Gentlemen, are they jinxing themselves again, planning an event for a stadium that isn't open yet? I reckon really it's just to test the structure to see if the stadium will sink or not, because (laughs) that seems like the kind of next calamity that will happen, is that they didn't account for the weight of the seats or the weight of the cheese, (laughs) and it gradually sinks into the ground. It's only 6,000 because that's how many hard hats and high-vis they've got. (laughs) <laughs> yeah they're all just coming in on work experience that's all it is yeah yeah exactly they're all like apprentices <laughs> yeah <laughs> just mucking in yeah. oscar back in the Next room mate Come section. on. yeah sorry another <laughs> miss from inside the six yard box you can put these all in yeah, the fine. someone guy. unplug his microphone so i can go alexa turn off the tv <laughs> sorry <laughs> Okay, next story. Jose Mourinho says Alexis Sanchez will be out for a, quote, long time with a hamstring injury suffered in training on Thursday. Do we think he's magically going to be cured on January 1st? (laughs) When the transfer window opens, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Curious. Mm. (laughs) Has he also got a virus? Well, maybe he got something from Paul Pogba because our other news story about Mourinho is that he launched into a brutal verbal assault on Pogba in training. That's and really he said not that on he's brand. a virus, right? Isn't that the quote? <laughs> that is, yeah. That's... He's a virus. Yeah. Wow. Called him a virus. So maybe that's what a, that's what Sanchez has got, is a bit of the Pogba's. Sanchez has got a real case of the Pogba's. What, do you mean talented player who's just been crushed by a diminutive Portuguese overlord? Is that is that the uh, symptoms for the virus? <laughs> yeah, no. It's uh, douchey haircuts and taking penalties very, very slowly. Yeah, and having <laughs> way too many dogs. And pictures of dogs. The same picture. Oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> that was brilliant. Uh, a friend of the show, Johnny Worthington, <laughs> had noticed on a picture Alexis Sanchez had put out on his Instagram that he has pictures of himself with his two dogs uh, next to his TV, was it? Yeah, it was on some counter somewhere. But but not only does he have a picture with his two dogs, he has another picture with his two dogs, which is the same picture, <laughs> just in a different frame. That's amazing though. So if you're gonna do that, I mean, where do you probably probably put them next to each other? <laughs> do you reckon he got one of them? <laughs> do, you, yeah, do you reckon he got one of them group deals? You know, when you get four pictures of different sizes, and he just yeah. messed up and went, "Oh, sod it, I'll just put them around the house." But even so, he's got more than one room. You don't have to put them <laughs> next to each other. It, it's absolutely it's the actions of a madman. We don't know if he has two in every room either. We just know that those two are in that room right next to each other there. There could be a lot more of that picture all over the place. I want to believe that. Yeah. I want to see I want to see the Alexis Sanchez episode of Cribs. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that show still exists, but I want it back. <laughs> Bring it back just for that. Oh, I loved Cribs. Cribs was fantastic. This is where the magic happens. Everybody said that about their bedroom and I was like, "Okay, I don't <laughs> I don't understand this reference." <laughs> yeah, you just sit there thinking, there's a lot of magicians in Hollywood. I assume they meant the, the TVs that always popped up from the foot of the bed. Oh, God, one day. One day I'll have that. Although your feet would just get in the way, wouldn't they? Yeah. I think, I mean, let's face it, a lot of cribs was ridiculously pointless shit. Yeah. And Mariah Carey getting naked and jumping in a bath in the that middle of a TV show. That was the strangest show. episode I've ever seen. What was that all about? It was just her getting into different, like, dressing gowns. And sort of, like, it was the strangest thing I've ever seen. It's just like, yeah, different ways to show off a boob job. I, 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 I mean, I wasn't complaining, but it was a bizarre episode. It was really weird. I'm going to have to have a long, hard rewatch of that later. Yeah. Mm. Emphasis on hard. 
Yeah, less so on long. We'll see. Got him. You know, it's just at, if you can even get it hard at his age, it's honestly, it's just a win. Just yeah. a win. So that should do it for our rapid fire news segment, which leads us to our first deep dive on a topic. And for that topic, we have chosen managers. Managers gone the way in, managers on the way out. There are a few clubs that are doing very uh, poorly at the moment and a lot of talk about managers. It is that time of year when the managers start getting the boot, start getting the axe. Um, and so we figured we would talk about them. First of all, Mark Hughes out at Southampton. Do we think that's a wise decision or should they have kept him around for a little longer? Uh, I would have liked him to keep him around a little longer just because it's <laughs> one more team that might be worse than Palace. Um, he won, I think it's something like three out of 22 games since he's been in charge. Oof. Yeah, not surprised Mark Hughes has gone whatsoever. I just the, the worrying thing for me now is that he's available. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, God, I hadn't thought of it like that. Jeez. Yeah. That is worrying. Life can come at you fast, guys. <laughs> well, Hodgson is obviously one of the other names that's been thrown around quite a bit as far as potentially getting the axe soon. Chuck, as a Palace fan, what are your thoughts on Hodgson at the moment and their prospects of getting some other good manager if they do fire him? Like, what do you think about all that? Um, I don't know if, if you know, the, the manager, I'll, I'll admit, I don't know much about the Leipzig manager that's come into Southampton, uh, what style of football he plays. Um, but obviously, it's it's kind of strange as well that Leipzig know Julian Nagelsmann is coming at the end of the season, but now they've lost their manager in the middle. So I don't know whether they're just happy to consign the, this season to to whatever happens, getting a caretaker manager. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, as we've spoken a little bit about German football um, on a couple of pods. But yeah, it just doesn't seem you know we got a, a good win against Burnley at the weekend, which we kind of had to do. Um, a couple of decent draws, like one against Man United, one against Arsenal. But I still just don't think that it looks like we have a clear, concise game plan in any games. You know, I said to you guys before, I didn't really want to get into it too much. And it's not not because we, we lost 3-1 and it was an embarrassing performance, because I think it'd be quite easy just to sit here and say that Palace have been awful this season. I mean, we've won three games and those three games were against teams that are currently 17th, 19th and 20th, respectively. It's pretty woeful uh, again, and we just don't have the squad. And and absolute credit where credit's due to Brighton um, for that match. They were they were incredibly solid. You know you can you can go on about the penalty, but you know as we've said with these things in the past, it's that that's done. Whether the referee makes a, an awful decision or not is irrelevant. Yeah. But it's how you it's how you then react after that. And Palace didn't do anything. You know, soon after that, Brighton were on the attack. Um, a foul possibly should have been given. Um, ball goes out for a corner and then Shane Duffy uh, pushes his head into Van Arnholt and gets sent off. Um, so that's half an hour into the game. And you think 1-0 down, half an hour in, down to 10 men, perfect. But Brighton instantly score off of that corner uh, to make it 2-0. And it was woeful defending. Um, and then we go 3-0 down by half time. And so by then it was kind of all over and never really going to get anything back. Um, Palace don't have an ability to break down teams. We never really beat teams that have 10 men seemingly as well. Um, and, and Brighton were just impressive. You know, it's the complete contrast that Palace don't seem to have a game plan. And Brighton, even with a man down, they were they had a very clear, concise way of playing. 
The defence was solid and Hewton marshaled it really, really well. Um, live update, Oscar is rolling his eyes right now. Not what I'm saying, but he's just seen over <laughs> his shoulder that Wolves have done a goal. Kepa should have... Kepa really should have fucking cleared it. But Chuck, to go off of your point, talking about Palace a little bit, since they are one of the clubs with, you know, manager issues, uh, and you say they think they look like they lack a game plan, I agree with you completely when I watch them. They do not seem to really pass the eye test. They look like they're kind of all over the place with their attack. Their defense does look pretty weak. I would agree with all your takes. The only thing I would say is that if you're looking at expected goals, there is no team in the league that is underperforming expected goals as much as Palace are. And so this far into the season, the numbers generally start to catch up to expected goals or they're going to make their way in that direction soon, probably just because statistically that's, you know, you can only underperform for so long. The numbers are the numbers. Um, and they so ranked by um, expected points, which is basically just expected goal difference with a tiny little statistical mm -hmm. work done on top of it. They are at 19 expected points, very near behind Manchester United at 19.5 and Arsenal at 20.2. So they're like right there with United and Arsenal in 10th unexpected points. And again, no one is underperforming XG as much as they are. They're at 18 XG and only 11 actually scored. Yeah, but then you look at you look at the game against Burnley and it shows that we don't know how to score because we had 29 shots in that game. 29. Oh. And our, our XG was 2. 2.0 flat. Insane. Yeah, that's not good. So, yeah, we need strikers. And like we said before, teams will see that and all the prices that we get quoted will just shoot through the roof. Um, but anyway, to move on to other teams, obviously, we would say Burnley, although they're now 1-0 up against Liverpool. But it just never really seems that Sean Dyche... It, it, it seems like they'd be happy to go down with Sean Dyche. I don't know if I you think get so the same. Too. It's weird. Well, I guess it's not weird because I'm a fan of a big club. So to me, like you fire a manager right away if you need to. And that whole idea of like loyalty is very foreign to fans <laughs> of big clubs. You know, I, that's kind of, I think, the nature of being a at a club that wants to challenge for trophies year in and year out. Yep. Like, you, you know, you just can't afford the luxury of, of loyalty, so to speak. And so like from that side of it, I can see why they would stick with him. But to me, if you're like very clearly the worst team in the league, and it looks like you're going to go down, which it does look like they're going to go down, I think. Or they're mm -hmm. at best in a relegation scrap all year long. Like, why wouldn't you? That seems loyal to a fault. Like, loyalty is a valuable thing in the world, but there's loyalty to a fault. And to stick with him just out of a sense of obligation and to get relegated when being relegated is like such a financial, like, catastrophe, essentially. Like, Especially if you don't come straight back up. It's a... Right. Mm big deal yeah and once you're down there it's really hard to come straight back up we've seen that yeah. with a lot of clubs the championship's so competitive especially this season oscar don't turn around oh are you shitting me how far ahead of me are you i don't see anything. okay enjoy this oh come on uh, <laughs> what a terrible fucking goal guess what side of the wing it came from the alonzo with david Luiz. Well, louise isn't even in there actually it's christensen today Oh. Dev Louis Light! Louis Light! Oh, for fuck's sake, it's a slow, low cross and it just rolls across the box. Everybody's staring at it. Fucking shit. Welcome to my world, buddy. It's good to have you here and have some yeah. company. Here in this town, we call misery. <laughs> um. Wolves do love playing against a good team, though. 
Yeah, like, they do. They do yeah, step they it up. do. Because this was going to bring me on to my next thing, talking about uh, crap managers. Do you know, at the moment, obviously disregarding the games that are currently going on, the three teams with the worst form in the league? Can you, I can, do not. Could you be able to take a guess of the three? Uh, Palace, Southampton, and United. Okay, so all three wrong. Ian? <laughs> no, go on. I, I would have gone close to Oscar's guess, I think. Go on. So Burnley. Uh, okay. okay. One point in five games. Oof. Wolves. One point in five games. And Watford. One point in five games. Watford, wow. Watford and Wolves, the two teams that got off to a strong start. Have yeah, really we've, fallen off. we've said it before how Watford can be, that they, they seemingly every year they get onto a really strong start, you know. For them to be on 19 points after, what would that be, 10 games would be a real boon for them. But to then only get one from the next five, with the way their manager merry-go-round works, I wouldn't put it past them that Javi Gracia would be one of the next ones to go. Because uh, Nuno Espirito Santo doesn't seem to be going anywhere, um, no matter really what happens, unless something catastrophic happened at Wolves, because what he's got out of that team so far is is nothing short of impressive. But yeah, that's two. When I looked today, there was two out of three of those that I was really, really surprised at. Yeah, that's that's shocking stuff. Uh, of course, now Wolves are beating Chelsea, so that's great. But yeah, that's pretty <laughs> surprising that those two teams would be in there. But to bring it back to Burnley, which we were talking about a second ago, I guess my question to you is: If you were running Burnley, do you? Because you guys understand the mindset of like. You know, loyalty, smaller clubs, smaller clubs, I'll say. (laughs) Um, How do you weigh the loyalty versus the idea of like, we are in a bad situation right now and maybe we should do something about it as opposed to long term? Like, what would you do if you were in charge of Burnley? Would you keep Sean Dyche or would you start looking for someone to replace him? I would I wouldn't be getting rid of Sean Dyche. Just because of the way of how volatile things are, and they they even though you know there's a Premier League money, they've never really spent anything, and what he's got out of those players and getting them to Europa League as as harmful as it has been um, so far th- this year to them seemingly. But yeah, I, I can see them going down with him because I think if they get a new manager, it would have to be a certain mould of manager because the override of of what the, he's done for that long would be quite a huge ask. It would have to be a very, very good yeah. manager to be able to do that and, and, and get players playing a different way. And I don't think Burnley is a club that would have the pull of that manager unless they went for a, for an up-and-coming kind of championship or, or even a League One manager. Well, uh, and as well, if if you're on the board of Burnley and you there isn't a pot of money to revolutionise things or, or something, then mm. you've, you've, if you've got no plan of how things are going to change anyway... Like you're, what are you, what are you looking for? I mean, you know, Swansea seemed to always make good managerial appointments, and then it all went downhill. Southampton seemed like they're going the same way, and unless everything's all right in the club other than the manager, it's not necessarily going to do any good to get rid of him. If you can promise a new manager a pot of money, blah blah blah, then maybe you can maybe you can do that. But I don't know that they can do that. No club should be resigned to going down, but. If they are thinking that way, they know Sean Dyche can get out of the championship. So it's, you know, That's I just, true. I think unless they've got any plan for change, you can't just make a, a, a decision like that. Because I don't know who they'd get who's better as well. I know we've taken the piss out of him, but I don't, I don't know. 
Well, Mourinho will be coming up soon, so <laughs> you know. that is definitely one manager that seems to be on the on the bubble. Chuck, I'm sure you've had to think about who's out there on the market right now, given that Palace seem likely to be losing Hodgson, or at least a lot of people seem to be pushing for that. Who is out there that could be any good at all? Or is it just the same old merry-go-round? I think it could just be the same old merry-go-round. I mean, you look at all of our latest managers. We've had all of them. We've had Tony Poulis, Alan Pardew, Sam Allardyce, Roy Hodgson. Uh, who's left? David Moyes. And, <laughs> oh, God, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so not good. Um, I, would, I wouldn't be able to tell you off the top of my head uh, looking. Um, but I'd worry if we were going to get in one of those firefighters that would save the season as it were and just get you get the teams playing that defensive brand of football well is it just me or wouldn't tony pulis or big sam be a good fit for the burnley squad those are the type of managers that can get a lot out of those types of players like i always i always liked pulis i think he caught a lot of shit but i always thought he did really really well and like sure he plays boring pulis ball defensive football but that's a bunch of shit if those are the players you have and that's what it you need to stay mid-table year in, year out. Yeah, generally, Stoke fans were pretty happy with that when they were staying mid-table or thereabouts for a while. Right, and now we're Stoke. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, you know, there there is bad blood between Pulis and, and Palace because of, like, court cases, etc., etc., but pretty oh, much yeah, all Palace fans agree that out of all of the managers we've had since we've been promoted... Um, out of getting the most out of the squad of players that was given to them, Tony Pulis did the best job um, because the squad we had was not good and he had us playing solidly and, and winning. But he's he's with Middlesbrough now and they're, they're doing really well in the championship. So I can't I can't see him going anywhere. Um, you know, I, and I doubt that he'd he'd want to leave um, a team like Middlesbrough because if he can bring them back up, I'm sure he'll get a good little bump in his pay um, from doing that. Uh, maybe someone like Bielsa from Leeds, if they can't, you know, stay stay with the the pack this season because he's doing some really good things, and I wouldn't be surprised if he if Leeds didn't go up this season of of him uh, joining a club that's in the Premiership um, for next year. But as as for managers that are out there, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know a, a big list of names or whatever because I'm at a little bit of a loss. Well, to to talk about United because you mentioned them in there. There's this really good, I tweeted it from the Miles Outside account and my own account as well. Uh, Ted Knutson, who is one of the best XG guys, he he has his own model. He does all the data stuff for StatsBomb. He was the founder of StatsBomb. So if you ever read StatsBomb articles, Ted Knutson's the guy. An American, might I add. <laughs> um, really, all the people doing good XG work are Americans because like, yeah, I guess it seems that way. Yeah. That's a very American way of thinking about sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had this graph about Manchester United XG trends from 2017 until now. And starting in the... So basically since Mourinho came in, their XG on average when he first came in was in the high twos. So like 2.8 thereabouts. And it has slowly and very much close to a line if you look at like regressions and line of best fit. it The data pretty much fits a line. Has gone down to... Let's see where they're at now. 0.8. Six. Ooh. So from 2.8 to 0.6, and it's like a perfect downward trend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, there's a cliff. It's not that like there's a dip all of a sudden. It is a line with a definite slope pointing down. At least I support a shit team that's always been shit. God, it yeah. must fucking suck to be a Man United fan. Actually, no, Sodom. Sodom, I don't care. They've had enough. <laughs> Enjoy it. 
<laughs> well, and everybody says like, oh, well, at least Mourinho is good defensively. And he certainly no, was. Like, you look no, at those two no. Chelsea teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know what's coming right now. You look at those Chelsea teams, like they conceded, they only conceded, what, 12 or 14 goals in that season? Like the the best defensive team ever by far. Yeah, because they were they were the best defenders as well. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They had John Terry, Desailly, um, who else? I don't remember. I wasn't really, I wasn't watching them yet back then. But anyway, uh, their XG allowed when he picked up the club was 0.51. And again, very much a perfect, nearly perfect line, the data fits. Has gone up to 1.65 now. So 0.5 to 1.65 in the XG allowed and 2.8 to 0.6 ish for XG. They are officially negative expected goal difference on average now. Which, like, that does not look good for them. They are currently, their actual goal difference in the table is plus one. And their expected goal difference should be minus one. Oh, sorry, I lied. Their ex- their actual goal difference is minus one. And their expected is minus one. So they're right in line with their numbers. <laughs> so um, they're just crap. There we go. They're just bad. They're not like, this isn't a weird thing. They've been getting progressively and steadily worse, both at offense and at defense, in the year plus that he's been in charge. Like, this is a legitimate thing that doesn't seem to be going anywhere like it's not a fluke we you know we talked about burnley's numbers and like how this is their numbers these are united's numbers this is where they're at they're definitively a mid-table team now yeah. and so like if uh-huh. you're manchester united ownership if you're manchester united fans and like anyone comes up to you and shows you this graph how can anything other than Mourinho out be the words that come out of your mouth i know oh it's lovely it's such a cheery thought. I mean, I'm down with that, and anything that makes Jose look bad is funny. There's just no way around that. But, <laughs> um, like, I feel like the Glazers have been totally forgotten about in this whole thing. Like, a few years ago, fans were furious about the amount of debt that had been saddled on the club. And then, seemingly bad managerial appointment after bad managerial appointment. But... Like, Woodward takes a lot of flack, and Jose sometimes takes a lot of flack, but, like, the owners... <laughs> Anthony Martial to... takes a lot of flack. Paul Pogba <laughs> yeah. takes, Luke takes Shaw, a lot yeah. of... He's going to have to start taking antivirals or, or something. <laughs> but, I mean, so, yeah, I think something's seriously wrong there at that club. It seems top to bottom at the minute. It's sad for me. It's, like, bittersweet, because, obviously... Him being at United and fucking up United and making them shitty is, like, great, because I hate United and that's hilarious. Fucking Chelsea sleeper agent. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Agent Mourinho is doing good work now. But exactly, like, you know, he's a Chelsea guy. I have a lot of love for Jose Mourinho. For his time at Chelsea, he took them to a whole different level. Even the second time around, that 2014-15 team was my second favorite Chelsea team ever. They were so fun to watch. When we first got Costa and we first got Fabregas and they were passing and they were attacking, they flew through about February scoring a ton of goals and then reined it in as the season got tighter and tighter at the end of the year. But they spent the most days in first place of any team. They were tied on points with Tottenham the second week. And other than that, they were in first place the whole season. Um, and they were great to watch. And so I have a lot of love for Mino. I liked him at 
Real Madrid, I think he caught a lot of shit that he didn't deserve at Real Madrid because they have records for like the most goals scored in a season, the most points in a season. I think they still hold that record. Like his Real Madrid teams were phenomenal to watch, exciting, fun, attacking teams. But he is just, he's just not good anymore. He's not the and special one. I don't know what's one. happened to him. Yeah, it's it's kind of like watching Wenger, or what it must have been like watching Wenger disintegrate in real time. Like Thanos snapped his fingers, and Wenger and Mourinho are both like just so far past <laughs> one. What one they used for the to Marvel be. fans there. If you stayed with us for two weeks, there you go. There's your reference. There's your Marvel <laughs> reference. Um, so obviously, I think it's fair to say then that if we look at bookies' odds, that Jose Mourinho is in fact the favourite uh, to be the next. Premier League manager to leave his post. That's at fifteen to eight on. Do you got, care to hazard a guess of like the next group or or who you think would be second most likely? Uh, Hodgson. Hodgson, no. no. Weirdly, Hodgson's up in fifth, which I think is absolutely mental. And bear in mind what we've been saying, and especially what I've said. So in fourth, that seven to one is Sean Dyche. Right. Also, joint with him is Neil Warnock on seven to one, and then second is Nuno Espirito Santo at five to one. Huh? Really? Yeah. So that's this weird. Is, this is according to Paddy Power, um, Hodgson and Benitez both at ten to one, and then you've got Eddie Howe and Maurizio Pochettino at twenty to one. So I can't help but feel that's a little bit wrong. And Javi Gracia for Watford way up in thirty-three to one. So if you've got a, a couple of quid spare and fancy a little punt. Because Watford, we all know Watford love to ditch a manager, especially coming up to January. Yeah. You know, if they've got one exactly. point in the last five. I think for to bring it back to Jose, I think that the thing that he does currently is that he does just enough to avoid <laughs> yeah. getting fired. Like, they'll be bad, 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 and then they'll have a good result. Or they'll have a bunch of, like, middling results. With his team sheet tonight, it looks like he wants to get fired. I know. <laughs> but And yet, with that said... It's 1-1 in the yeah. 65th, and United have had seven shots and five of them on target compared to Arsenal's four shots and one on target. So, like, obviously, I don't know the XG because it's in real time. It's happening right yeah. now. But XG usually correlates pretty strongly with shots on target. And when shots on target are 5-1, to one, sounds like United are doing a good job against Arsenal. I'm not watching that match. I'm only barely watching the Chelsea match. Well, <laughs> we can get into a bit more of analysis of Arsenal and how they play, I think, in the in the second half. So I think that's a very nice point that you brought us to there, Oscar. Uh, yep. Should we maybe take a break? Sounds good. I'll go catch the last eight minutes of this Chelsea match, and then we'll come back and record part two and get into some Arsenal stuff. So come back with us in a bit. Fucking Chelsea, man. Alexa, play Sounds of Silence in the living room. Welcome back to the Miles Offside podcast where we've just learnt that one of the worst form teams in the Premier League has just beaten Oscar's beloved Chelsea. Oscar, can we just get your live reaction? Of, no, Oscar, Oscar, put, put the rope down, Oscar. Oscar, don't, no, it's not worth it, Oscar. That, that, oh, you're still there, it's fine, it's fine. Oh boy. Yeah, we lost. We lost. Uh, when I saw Alvaro Morata's name in the starting 11, <laughs> I thought to myself, I wanted to have a good Wednesday. <laughs> but maybe I won't. There we go. 
Well, we thought we were going to keep talking about bad teams to the first part, but it's kind of leaked over into the second. Um, however, one of the big topics that we wanted to discuss after what I believe could easily be said to be the game of the season so far, Arsenal with an absolute thriller six-goal wonder show against Tottenham on the weekend. Gents, please tell me you saw highlights, the game, something. Well, I watched every minute of that. That was fantastic. Oh, it was just oh, an atmosphere at the Emirates. There, there was oh, there were cards. There were many goals. There was Mike Dean. There were oh. a perfect. What storm. more can you want? The absolute perfect recipe for just oh, sit down. No, no, no. I will not sit down, Eric Dyer. Don't tell me what to do. That Sunday did not disappoint. Let me tell you that. Between that amazing Arsenal Spurs match. And then the ridiculous goal in the Liverpool (laughs) Oh, God, that whole game is ridiculous. Up until then, that was a great nil-nil, and then to finish it like that was just brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic nil-nil. I think the XG on that one was 3.1 to 1.2. So, like, a fucking amazing game that only ended 1-0 on a ridiculous, ridiculous goal. (laughs) Just so dumb. But to bring it back to Arsenal-Tottenham, it was a hell of a performance from Arsenal. 4-2 against Spurs, who had just come off a big win against Chelsea the weekend before. Uh, And, like, those three teams have just kind of traded points with each other in a circle because we beat Arsenal second week, and we looked real good. Then Tottenham spanked us, and now they, Arsenal, summarily beat Tottenham uh, in the North London derby. Um, It was 1.5 to 0.5 on the XG, plus one pen for each team. So if you look at other models, it might say 2.5 to 1.5. Um, but that's thoroughly outplaying them. 4-2, you know, a bit high on that, but very thoroughly outplayed. Yeah, but we've said we've said all season that Arsenal get by on the absolute quality of their strikers um, and, and, and hitting some absolute crackers of shots. Um, they are still, though, even though Emery has got them energised, and like I said, to hear a, to hear a noise like that out of the Emirates is... is <laughs> I don't think it's ever happened. Um, but they, they are still a bit of a second-half team, um, and bit. the numbers would yeah. kind of show that, wouldn't they? Um, I believe, Ian, you've actually been doing some numbers this week, haven't you? Well, I mean, there's there's numerous things that show what you've said there. So, um, Arsenal haven't yet led at half-time all season, which is insane. And that, that was true today as well, right? It was 1-1 at half-time? Yeah, yeah, it was 1-1 half-time. Oh, speaking of, sorry, in the cut you off, update, it's 2-2 now. Ooh. So both of them scored since we took a break. It's only really an update for us. an update on the result you've known about for a day or two (laughs) yeah yeah but um yes that still holds true then um if you were to take uh if every game would have ended at half time arsenal would be 19th in the league oh wow if you were to take the second halves uh, as the game and uh take the points from the second half arsenal would be second so it's a mirror image i mean and this is not this is not like arsenal used to be they're showing resilience which they never did uh, a Wenger team went down like a goal to nil done deal generally yeah in the last few years especially you're right if they can sort that out if they can sort their first half performance out which I don't know why it's happening I, I don't have the analysis uh, at my fingertips like some people do but um, if they can sort that out then they could be serious contenders and Emery's only been in there 
a little while. So, yeah, who knows? But that I, I was I was stunned at that, that uh, what used to be a massive weakness of, of Arsenal's is suddenly a strength. Yeah, they never really used to have a spine and they didn't they didn't battle, you're right. Mm. Um I think pivotal in that is just Torreira. He he's incredible. He's he's there he's there in Golo Kante. And and he just is winning the ball and controlling that midfield and, and giving protection to those uh, central defenders. But also if you if you watch any highlights, he's always looking to go forward. Mm. Like driving forward and getting the ball up there at, at the earliest opportunity. And when you've got a player that's playing so positively like that, and is winning the ball back. It's a real boon for the team. And then you've got the manager going mental on the sidelines and getting involved. And it's just, it, it is that completely new look Arsenal that we that we said before the season began that we'd see. Um, and it's and it's great from them. Ab- absolutely great. Um, you know, Aubameyang's still banging in goals. Um, sadly, hasn't scored tonight. He's my bloody fantasy captain. <laughs> um, Lacazette still getting goals. You know, it seems like whoever comes off the bench... Is, is getting really involved. And that's something as well that, you know, Wenger was very much like we've said, Hodgson has been this season. Like he just wouldn't make changes. Or if he was, he was getting booed or or what have you. And, and Arsenal fans hated the 85th minute Giroud substitution, which would usually end up being a goal. But now Emery isn't afraid to just hook someone and make that positive change and take the risks. Um, and I think that's why it shows in, in the second half performances that they are so much better. You know, it's a, it's, a bit of a shame that we can't. It feels a bit weird to talk about them defensively when they they've you know conceded two goals to Man United, who, as Oscar said in the first part, haven't been very good creatively um, in getting much xG. Um, so there there are still some problems there. But Rob Holding went off early as the starting uh, defender, and it's you know we're getting into that very hectic time of year where where team rotation is is a real real factor, and it's just how you can come out of the other side of it. Um, so I think if they can hold on to a point here, um, away at Old Trafford, where for years and years they've got nothing really, it, it's great for them and another positive, you know, to be up in fourth, their desired place. Um, <laughs> that's what you want right now, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> fourth, so, fourth place in the FA Cup final. Away you go. Uh, so to pick up on something you said there, because we had a comment from uh, Adam P. and. Uh, he said, "Is Torreira the best value signing of the season?" Absolutely. How much? He was twenty-six million. I think twenty-six right? from Sampdoria. Sampdoria. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's looking that's looking incredible value. Yeah, because I think early in the season, when we when when the window closed, we were trying to look at who who were the best kind of signings yeah. for each club, yeah. and there weren't many massive marquee ones. For any club, but but Torreira, low key in in the unfashionable position, as it were, mm. um, has you know has has absolutely shone this year and been pivotal to that team. And you know it's kind of it's vindication, I guess, for a lot of Arsenal fans because that's it's the kind of player that they've been crying out for for years, absolutely years of 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 having that fight and and desire of the of the team that that was so good in in the late nineties, early two thousands. So yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely, hands down. I think he he'd be the signing of the season, um, whether it shows up in stats or or not, it doesn't really matter. And he st- he still is getting a few assists and a few goals here or there. And Oscar, he he says he's not trying to rile you here, but he says is is Torreira more akin to the type of player that Sarri wants Kante to be? Um, ooh, he does get up in. Oh, that's a hard question to answer. 
That's a um, good question, actually. It is a really good question, yes. My argument to that, or my answer to that, rather, is twofold. First, you're not wrong. He's really good in both directions, and he could be doing a really good job in the Sari system, specifically in the Kante role. But ultimately, I think my answer is going to be no, because I think Kante is a lot better at getting forward than anyone really gives him credit for. I think he's a really good dribbler. Um, he's scored a few really good goals in his uh, time at Chelsea. Not frequently, but he knows how to get in the box. His use of space is really fantastic. So I would say that Conte is better going forward than anyone realizes. And as we've clearly established, he's the best defensive midfielder in the world. Like That is, I think, generally agreed upon. I don't think that's even a controversial thing to say. So Conte's ability to go in both directions, I would say in total, is higher than Torreira's, mostly because he's so good at the back and he's probably better than anyone gives him credit for going forward. Um, but it's not as obvious necessarily as most people would think. I think Torreira's like right up there. I think Torreira's been really, really good for Arsenal. Um, yeah. Especially, as Chuck said, like giving them a different sort of attitude than we've really seen from them. The other thing for Arsenal, um, as far as how well they're doing, or at least how they're doing as well as they are compared to their numbers, uh, is the strikers. And we've talked about that before, but I think it's you can't really understate, and as a Chelsea fan, this is fucking painful for me to watch them have this <laughs> when I have Alvaro Morata starting and then we lose to Wolves tonight. Um, Lacazette and Aubameyang are just like fucking yeah. amazing. We've talked about how good they are. We've talked about how like having elite strikers helps you overperform your numbers. We had mentioned at a few weeks ago how much Arsenal were overperforming their XG and how much it was so much higher than anyone else in the league. It continues to be like a legitimate story how fucking ridiculously above their numbers they are. They are currently at 20.8 XG and 32 actual goals scored. Well, they are overperforming wow. by 11.2 goals. For some context, the team that has the second highest overperformance Remember, Arsenal were at 11.2 here, is Brighton and Hove Albion, who are overperforming by 3.4. <laughs> and that's the wow. second most in the league. Like, no one else is above even plus four, and Arsenal are plus 11.5. That is fucking absurd. Like, it makes me angry it's so absurd, because partially, obviously, like, there's a lot of variance that goes into things, and you don't really expect the team to overperform that much. There's been a lot of talk about Arsenal are like historically overperforming their attacking numbers, like we haven't seen in in a very very long time in Europe. But also like Aubameyang and Lacazette are just really really good, and so that's what mm-hmm. happens when you have really good strikers. Yeah. So this is this is good because Adam B did say earlier in the week. I'm not sure if you saw it, but you tweeted us and Kaylee Graphics and said, "I'll buy you all a drink if you can please not talk about us." Arsenal overperforming our XG again. <laughs> now, <laughs> sorry, you, mate. He's good. He's going to keep going. <laughs> it is what it is, man. But the thing is, and it did it did get me thinking about something, which is XG is a metric that uh, takes into account uh, position, the situation, isn't it? It's the situation that yeah. uh, the that you're in when the um, goal or not goal happens. But like, presumably, that is based on your average Premier League player, if there is such a thing. Right, exactly. Bec- yeah, right. Okay, so like the av- the average player in that situation is going to score or not score. But can it just not be that Lacazette and Aubameyang 
are better than the average player. So they're going to... I know that if you take expected goals, expected points, blah, 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 then usually it pans out that the season works out like that. Mm. But can it not just be that those are two very good strikers who, in situations, are going to score more often than your average Premier League player? I think that's exactly right. And thinking about it, you know, you look at how many teams have one elite striker, if we if we say elite. So you've got Man United... With Lukaku, even though he hasn't been underperforming, I still consider him an elite striker. Yeah. Um, Tottenham have got Harry Kane. Man City have got Aguero, and you could argue Jesus as well, although they never played together. Arsenal have got two, so there, there aren't uh, yeah. there aren't that many clubs that have got one elite striker. Arsenal have got two, so it does make sense why they would overperform so highly. Um, and now that they have a bit more solidity in midfield and it gives them the freedom to take those ridiculous shots and, and you know, Lacazette's pulled off some great ones, oh, um, as has have Aubameyang so good. this year. It doesn't really surprise me why they would overperform so highly um, because it's a position at which they suffer the least with rotation if, if it does happen. Yeah. You know, you look at Tottenham, they'll go from Harry Kane to Fernando Llorente. Like, <laughs> that is yeah. a significant yeah. drop. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Or fucking Chelsea are running out. Well, the, Murata. Or Giroud, who, who's not a good finisher, really. He's a great player. He's great in the system. But like as far as striking and scoring. But scored more goals for France than Thierry Henry. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's good. So, Ian, can I just say real quick? <laughs> you gave me a massive, massive boner. nerd boner just now. Yeah, big time. Oh, I got it right. <laughs> yep. So if stats <laughs> isn't your thing, go ahead and skip forward maybe a minute or two or seven. We'll see how long this goes. But... This nice is skip ahead. fucking perfect, Ian. I cannot express how happy I am that this question, the way you phrased it, came up. How do I skip? <laughs> how do I skip, guys? How do I skip on life? Uh, is there a button? There Go is on. some really, really exciting work going on right now that they talked about um, over the break, Double Pivot, which is like the analytics podcast with Kaylee and Goodman on, and I brought them up before, did a full, full hour and change on like, XG modeling, what's going on currently in the world of XG modeling, what are the updates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things that people are working on, and there's a lot of good research going into it at the moment, is this model called post-shot XG. We talked a few weeks back about non-shot XG and how that takes into account basically everything but the shot. So when there's a cross that no one gets on the end of, that still has some XG to it. This is now a model called post-shot XG, and it takes into account what it basically does in its sample is it deletes shots that are not on target. Or if not deletes, it controls for whether shots are on target or not. Essentially, the idea being that it controls for how good of a striker someone is. Yeah. So that then you can get more specific information about specific players that will be of value to clubs more than to fans and to like people to just know. And to make a very long story short, because there's a lot of fun math about it, and if you want to learn more about that, specifically I'm talking to you, Dave, go ahead and listen to the Double Pivot podcast. <laughs> I always say you should talk to just one listener. Yeah, exactly. Very yeah. much yeah, yeah. Find your listener and, and exactly. find your, your first follower. Um, but there's a lot of cool methodology in it. But essentially their findings were, and this is going to be verified by someone else using a different set of data, but that's just like good science is that in the actual effect of a good finisher, a good striker, is incredibly small compared to 
the effect of having strikers who get in good positions and teams that create good chances for those. So if you, the old idea being that like if you plop Mitrovic, right? He's really good, but he's not elite. No one would say he's elite, I don't think, except maybe Chuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's coming back in my fantasy team, lads. Yeah, Golden Boot at the World Cup. We're still waiting on that one. Like Sister Act 2, he's back in the habit. If you drop him in for like an Aguero, let's say, or a Harry Kane, even when he was at his peak, right? It's worth maybe a goal, a goal and a half a season on the XG numbers. A whole season. Like it's not a big effect of being an elite finisher as much as it is being able to find good space. So like that is an actual measurable skill. Like Chicharito or Javier Hernandez Chicharito gets on the end of some really good chances because he knows how to find space. Diego Costa was the same thing. But actual shooting ability, and this sounds so counterintuitive, that's why it's cool that the stats found this, that the, like the nerd stats numbers people were able to find this. Finishing ability is so much less important than a lot of other things in actual goal scored and expected goal scored. And so the short answer to your question is yes, obviously, Aubameyang and Lacazette are really, really good, so it'll help them overperform a bit. The long answer to your question is no. Something else is going on there that just, like, even if they overperform a little, 11 cannot be explained away. Even a little bit by have them being elite level finishers. The obvious exceptions to that being Messi and Ronaldo because they break data and they break models <laughs> everywhere they go because they're just so good that they're impossible to, like, account for in data, yeah. basically. But everyone else, every other quote-unquote elite striker, like, it's such a minimal effect that it's actually kind of crazy to me. So I don't really know how to transition back to Arsenal from that other than to say, like, they're good, but, like, you can't just keep overperforming like that. We'll, we'll see, you know. We haven't, I haven't pulled out the XG for, for Arsenal Man United, but it's definitely, it would definitely be disappointing for them to, to draw there, which you wouldn't have thought a couple of seasons ago. And you absolutely do have to praise Emery for all of the work he's done and so quickly. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, how long have they gone without losing now? 19? No, 20. 20 games, I guess. Yeah, after, it's a um, lot of games. Yeah. And and there was that big stretch where they played crap teams. Well, now they've played good teams. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the other side of that, where they're not particularly over or underperforming, but that is actually a genuine noticeable trend in their numbers, is that their defense is getting a lot better in the last month or so. Um, and so that is affecting their expected goal difference, which then directly affects their expected points and their general performance. They're they're still overperforming their attacking numbers, and that might start to slow down. Um, but at the very least, their XG underneath hasn't changed that much. But their expected goals allowed is much, much better. And you can see it in more than just expected goals allowed. Their possession of opponent sequences reaching the final third, so how often they're stopping stuff in midfield, essentially, went from about 50% for the first eight games of the season to the low 30s in the last five. So they are stopping teams in the midfield. The teams aren't getting into high danger areas. And you've seen that directly impact their defensive numbers. Like the the way they beat Tottenham was not by their amazing attack because they only generated 1.5. It was by their defense. Keeping Tottenham to 0.5 is hard. Like, and they did it. That was a legitimate thing that they did. Um, part of that, at least, has been a change in the formation. They've switched to a three at the back more recently, which I think mitigates the effect of their center backs being shit. <laughs> <laughs> Put more of them. Because there's more of them now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's part of why David Luiz works in a back three is because his defense is 
a bit yeah. shaky, let's say. Statistically, should be 1.5 times better. <laughs> it brings their expected centre-backs up to two. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's a really good joke. I love that. XCB, you heard yeah, it here, folks. Expected CBs. Um, but that shift to three at the back has been really good for their defence numbers, and that has seen an upward turn in their expected goal difference, which then has an expected... Like, they're, they're, they are better now. Measurably better now, and they have been for five games. So, to sort of take it back to Adam P's point, yes, they're still, we're not going to stop talking about how they're over <laughs> overperforming XG because they continue to do that at an alarmingly high rate. But the good news is that their defense is getting better, and that means that they are legitimately in the top four race. Arsenal and Spurs have both improved their underlying numbers significantly in the last month, whereas Chelsea are going in the other direction, and it scares the shit out of me. And I don't don't like it at all because <laughs> mm. it's it's going to be a tight a tight race for top four. Well, there you go, Adam P. I hope you enjoyed that section as resident <laughs> Arsenal fan that gets in contact. Don't know if there's any others. If there are any more of you out there, like get in touch and, and let us know what you think as well. Yeah, definitely, um, um, definitely, so that we're not just you don't think that we're just spouting bollocks. But I think we're we're being pretty fair in saying, and I know how much it will pain Oscar to say as a Chelsea fan as well, but. Legit Arsenal do look great this season as a neutral. Any Anything that, that creates a bit more tension at the top or a bit more competition somewhere in the league is great. Yeah, because City, or no one's catching City at this point. No one's catching City. Not yeah. even Liverpool coming back from 1-0 down against Burnley to win 3-1. Like, you're not catching Man City. City they're not. They're just not. Um, but I'll tweet out a couple of good articles. Um, one is from Football Whispers. They're a great statistical site if you're into numbers like me. Um, Mark Thompson, one of the authors there, wrote a good ar- article about slowly improving Arsenal finally deserve their top four spot, and it talks about their defensive numbers and how they've improved. So I got a lot of numbers from that. And then also Between the Posts, which is um, also known as 11 Tegan 11 on Twitter, their match report for Arsenal Tottenham got into some more like recent number stuff other than just looking at that match, and it's a good article. So I'll, I'll post that on the Twitter too for those of you that want to do a bit more, uh, not light reading, but you know, <laughs> numbers stuff. There we go. Facts, figures, numbers, articles. Uh, so, Ian, after that, do we have any questions this week? Well, no, because I think we managed to address all of Adam P's questions uh, during oh. our Arsenal chat there. So we just, like, really meticulously wove them into a section. We're getting good at this. It was almost seamless. It was almost seamless. Will, or at least it will be when you, when you edit it. What um, about Dave? <laughs> no questions from Dave this week? Don't, let's not talk about Dave. He, he flew too close to the sun now. That's it. He's, he's gone. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a question that I want to ask, though. Okay. Of, of you, gents, because it's something that's been really bothering me in my life. Oh. Um, and it's not about football whatsoever. So it's good for my, my speech at the very beginning that I didn't want to talk about football. It, it, it's just simply, where, where do socks go? <laughs> <laughs> this feels like where? it's... Needs it's gonna need its own jingle. Chuck's question. Sorry, what? Where, where do where do socks go? Because I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But do you always find you always lose one sock from like every pair of socks that you own, and then you go to get out a pair of socks and you can't find it, and you think, oh, because you know sometimes you throw away one sock, but mm. but you could definitely throw away two if you see if you see it's next to it, but you never find the socks. And I had it once that I I was at my sister's for Christmas and I got I got bought a set of five socks, and they were yeah. Star Wars socks, so this will get you interested, Oscar. There we go. There was, there was a C-3PO, an R2-D2, a Yoda, a Stormtrooper, and Darth Vader, right? 
And they're all pairs, so five pairs, ten, ten socks. By the end of leaving my sister's house, after a couple of days, I only had seven socks left. Hmm. Is your sister stealing the socks? <laughs> well, no, because they, they weren't anywhere. So I don't understand where, where the socks... You, you take them off, you put them in a the washing basket, you put them in a the washing, you put them in a the drawer, and then they're gone. I mean, you've seen the South Park Underpants Gnomes episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, step one, still underpants. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. Profit. Yeah. <laughs> also known as the movie pass business model. Step one, buy everyone's movie tickets. Step two, question mark shrug. Step three, profits. Yeah. Lo and yeah. behold, they're like a billion dollars in debt and going out of business. Yeah, didn't, didn't our first meeting for this go sign of a similar way? <laughs> start a podcast make money someday I don't know yeah. <laughs> at the minute we're still in the making a horrendous loss uh, we're just in the question mark bit yeah. Yeah. somehow I think the question mark phase might last quite a long time <laughs> but seriously yeah. I want to know does anyone else have this problem no I, I mean there is a real answer to this there um, most dryers are constructed fairly cheaply and so it's a very very common thing that if you like take it apart uh, there's underneath, like, there's this empty space because they need it to be able to spin. And socks, socks are particularly small and easy to go through, like, basically the secret doorway. <laughs> and so there's, like, countless <laughs> videos on the internet of people, like, taking apart a dryer and finding, like, 900 socks in this, like, supposed to be empty compartment. It's actually kind of a fire hazard, too. Like, I, I saw a thing about it that was like, well, check your dryers because this might happen. And it's like, that's where all the socks go. Like, the answer is that's where they go. They get eaten by your dryer. So if you take apart your dryer, it's probably in there. Amazing uh. that you'd think to ask the question. Bizarre. Uh, uh, equally amazing that Oscar might actually have an answer. Which yeah. is just, <laughs> I mean, ridiculous. So every time you do a dry and you put, like, five pairs of socks in the dryer, you're... Uh, expected socks uh, is about, <laughs> four, about 4.95 <laughs> yeah there we go Yeah, okay. it is, it's ridiculous I don't understand and that's why Like, there are two things about socks one, that I now just want to always buy the same sock just not well, that's, not a yeah. difference in design, not a difference in colour the yeah. exact same sock so don't, I, don't, I wouldn't give a shit then what my expected yeah. socks were um, just open a drawer, all the same perfect but yeah. also, I would like to never have to wear the same pair of socks more than once. I don't care if that's wasteful or not. That is quite wasteful. <laughs> yeah, but you can like donate them to like people need socks. But like you, you, can, you can buy socks quite yeah. cheaply these days. But imagine, you know, you know what the feeling's like when you put on a fresh pair of socks. Now imagine that every single day for the rest of time. I cannot believe the words that you're saying right now. I if I called my wife over right now and I was like, Emily. What is the number one item on my trillionaire wish list? We play this game that is like, if you were a trillionaire, bring her what's over. some bring extravagant her over. Get game? Get a guest on. Get her on. All right, all right. Get her up second. to the microphone, Oscar. Okay. It's exactly what you just said. Okay. Exactly what you okay. just said. Okay, okay. So, yeah. Emily, let's yeah. let's test this. This is like Mr. and Mrs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this will be perfect if we play this game. Emily, Emily's going to be a guest on the pod. She's probably not going to be able to hear me for this bit. That's all right. It's going to take his cans off. We'll be fine. Here we go. This is happening. This is happening. Just sit down. They're going to ask you a question. Put the headphones on. This is weird. So what are we going to ask? Hi, Emily. Hi. Talking to the microphone. Welcome. Welcome, Emily. So, Emily, we're we're playing a little bit of Mr. and Mrs. right here because Oscar has made a claim (laughs) after something that I've said that you would 100% corroborate. Okay. So apparently you have a list of things, like a trillionaire's wish list. Yeah. 
what would be Oscar's number one thing that he would buy like a ton of or like only? A fresh pair of socks every day. Oh! <laughs> you win! Unbelievable! <laughs> Ten points to Hufflepuff! My you nailed God. it! To Hufflepuff? <laughs> oh no, I've opened a box oh, of worms shit, here. Shit, no. Chuck. Abort. Don't abort, abort, abort. Abort. Oh Jesus. We've got a guest on and I've offended her straight away. <laughs> Thank you for that, Emily. Bye. There you go. Thank you. Bye. That was the best. Thank you. <laughs> Did you just call my wife a Hufflepuff? <laughs> she's she's, she's so mad at you, Chuck. Did you call my wife a Hufflepuff? <laughs> and there we go. So, I mean, unless you just want that kind of every week from our question segment where I make <laughs> something up, get in touch with us on Twitter at milesoffsidepod, email milesoffsidepod at gmail.com, Facebook, send us a letter, whatever. <laughs> carry a pigeon what a fantastic call to action unless you want me to do that nonsense because <laughs> seriously if that doesn't inspire you to get to your keyboards and warrior up then i don't know what will <laughs> but but there we go it's good to know oscar that you're in a loving marriage where um you two know each other you're showing me a picture right now what is that that is a bottom of a dryer with all of your socks, apparently, Chuck. I All mean, the socks. I mean, yeah. you know how every week we do a teaser tweet. Yeah, that's going out. There yeah, it is. Job done. So enjoy that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, thank you, thank you for answering questions. Questions I didn't even then ask, and and things I never <laughs> thought I'd find out. That once again, me and Oscar agree on something. What a fucking weird thing for us to both have the same weirdo that fucking fantasy. I've never met anyone else who wants a brand new pair of socks every day. It's not weird. It's, it's sensible. <laughs> oh, it makes sense. They're the most comfortable thing in the world. What's better than a new pair of socks? Literally nothing. <laughs> nothing. Very much. I don't want to hear it, Ian. Don't give me that look. And with that, Ian, any final final thoughts? Um, I'm not sure if I should go into sponsorship off the back of this, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've uh, we've also now secured ourselves a uh, US uh, Amazon link. So if you are in the UK or the US and you want to take an Amazon Prime one month free trial, you can take that free trial. We'll get a little kickback to support us and uh, you can get all your Christmas presents delivered for free. So uh, if you look at the show notes, I will put in a UK and a US Amazon link now. Yep. And you too. Free delivery tomorrow can get yourself as many socks as you want. All the socks you could possibly dream of. All the socks. And there is the link again. Christmas, birthdays, Hanukkah, whatever. Oscar, anything else to add from you, bud? Uh, I just would recommend that all the listeners use the Amazon thing to buy some new socks. Make themselves happy. Because what's better than a new pair of socks? Make themselves happy. Tweet us if you've bought some socks recently. Tweet us your socks. What socks are you wearing? Hashtag mop socks. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, guys, for listening. If you're still here, God forbid. Um, and thank you very much. Thank you, Oscar. Bye. Thanks, Emily, in the background. Bye. Heavens <laughs> to Betsy. Heavens to <laughs> Betsy. Oh, God. And thank you, Ian, as well. As no, ever. Thank you. Godspeed for the edit on this one. <laughs> Take care very much, guys. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>